I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good evening, welcome to episode 40 of the AI Comic Pod. We are back. It's been it's been almost two months for me, so if I sound a little bit rusty, I almost remember, I've forgotten the name of the show when I hosted, <laughs> introduced it then, but um, it's because it's been a while. So the last time I was on, uh, we were discussing and um, previewing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and myself and Stu are back to review that film two months on. How are you doing, Stu? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I know we... We put out a tweet before saying that we were going to be having a, a guest on with us, but unfortunately, Chris wasn't able to make it. So get well soon, mate. Um, we'll have you on. As yeah, soon as we this can. pod is this pod is cursed. I'll be honest. Uh, just not this particular show. We've been trying to do this for, for the best part of a month, I think, and I've been away for a couple of weeks and. Uh, we and were going to go see well. this again. Yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a you know. I think we were all feeling the end of season Liverpool, you know, fatigue. I think it all felt like we've been pressing the shit out of the last year. So um, we maybe all needed a little bit of a rest and recharge our batteries. You have been back and done Wonder Woman preview, which you love um, the film itself. Yep. And I am yet to see, but I'm going to be seeing it soon, and we'll, we'll review that quite soon as well. And we've got a couple of other things that if we announce, then we'll definitely get around to doing them. So we are going to do an Ant-Man review or or discussion or something along those lines um, because we love that film and we we really want to talk about it um, in more detail. And then, yeah, there's a lot of other stuff we need to catch up on. A lot of our shows have ended for the summer. Um, The Flash and Arrow ended a while um, ago now. Joey Joey and I said we were going to do... A Batman comic look. We were going to do the nice. whole of of Batman um, Rebirth, and I think we said we were going to do a top five or yeah. top ten. I, I would do it in two parts if I was you, just putting that out there. But not going to happen. <laughs> it's going to be about four hours long, um, and then there's other things. There's been some good stuff this year because Legion we haven't really discussed at all, and yeah, there's some big things coming back. I guess towards. Well, it's towards the end of the year, isn't it? Um, well, so Game of Thrones is back soon. Even it doesn't, finally, 
doesn't it's not really comic-y but we end up talking about it anyway yeah it comes into the thought process i started watching it from the beginning um, last week again i don't know why but i just wanted to why i'm not? about i'm about through season one so i've got a couple of, uh, well, it's it's such a good series in, in series. relevant news i finally yeah. finally finally started watching smallville from the beginning Oh jeez, guys will be happy. I think I'm going to live to regret it because I'm about three quarters of the way through the first season. How many I'm seasons is it? Like fourteen? Oh jeez! I think it's two two hundred and eighty episodes or something like that. It's ungodly, but I can that only is do it mental because all yeah. of my shows are finished. I've got literally about four shows. In fact, I might have three because American Gods is finished now. So I've barely it's got worth, anything to I watch. I need to watch American Gods. I, I tell you what's worth. Um, revisiting I'd say Daredevil I started to watch again and and that's really good from the start if you I think we've only watched it once I've been um, watching I've been watching season two in work when I'm doing testing because I have to use Netflix a lot and it's nice. just me go to whenever I need either HD or a 4k stream my account yeah, has always yeah. got you know continue watching Daredevil so I've always yeah. got it running in the background I watched the episode the other day where um, Punisher's captured him and he's got him chained on the roof nice that that famous that's a great translation. That's a re- yeah. When it's the first time that he properly speaks, isn't it? When yeah, you get some real really actual good. dialogue, and he you, he starts getting into his head. But yes, so we we've got lots, lots and lots and lots of stuff coming up. We just need to stay healthy, stay in the country, and not die in this heat. If we can, yeah. if we can do all those three things, we should be back on track. I think we'll get back on track in no time at all. So, yeah, we are back. And there was a few people quite happy. And hopefully this is greeted with a little bit of, I don't know, a little response as, as we always hope to get. And I've been doing a little bit of writing, but I do find it a little bit harder to do. Um, so respect to, to Joey and, and any of the football writers and stuff that, because it's it's so hard to, to find the time, you know, that's as much as anything else, it's, it's hard to find the time. And, and these shows take a little bit more prep than just going to the cinema, albeit, a lot of the time we just like to chat so that's that's fun so the reason we're here um is to talk about guardians of the galaxy volume two we we did predict it would be a great film and i think by and large and obviously we're going on a little bit um from when it was released it's been pretty unanimously successful and pretty much adored by most people i'd say yeah and i've just had a quick look 850 million was it worldwide? 844.4. So for argument's okay. sake, 850 million. And it was released basically two months ago. That's mental. See, two months ago, yeah. And I think in the States, it's only been. It yeah, was out in May, so it's been about. It's five or six weeks. I yeah, think. Five, yeah, five, six weeks. That That's insane. Yeah, I think it'll probably. It might not creep over the billion. Mark, but I don't know. You, you know, you've got to. Yeah, it might well do. I mean, you've got to look at it. I don't know if it's got any more staggered releases or whether that's it's. It must be out everywhere. I think um, it's out right. everywhere. I think the last place it came out is usually China, isn't it? Because yeah, it is. James James Gunn is brilliant at when he at, at social media usage. Arguably, I think he does it better than anyone else in his position. He yeah. knows just what to release, when to do it, to keep to build the hype, and then to keep it going. And the last one I remember them doing was a China um, premiere. So yeah. it's, it's out. It's certainly it's out in the big markets. It's out in Europe. It's out in North America, and now it's in the Asian market. Yeah, I, I mean, following on for Marvel, I mean, it's it's what they probably hoped it would be. You know, second films 
will always generally do well if the first film did well and i think they've they've uh, marketed it really well i think they've maybe brought on a, well i think the, the existing audience from before but maybe different generation i think baby grew particularly for my son got him interested into guardians because because they can market well do you know what i mean it, yeah. it's 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 very clever what disney do as a rule because i know it's marvel but disney linked and they they know how to market to all generations i'd say because you know it was the same with bb8 when they did the force awakens and it just gets that kind of buzz um oh yeah you, it, you couldn't move could you there was bb8 everything from socks right up to you know scale model remote controlled ones and now it's the same with baby Groot. If yeah, exists, Baby Groot is, is a lot it. of places. Yeah, exactly. I would admit, though, having just been to Universal and Disneyland, I mean, Universal product their, their things much better at the parks than Disney do. Um, Disney kind of focuses on, on stuff that I didn't expect. Well, Mickey Mouse and all that shit, but um, and princesses and fairies and all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't do so well on, on things like Big Hero 6 and, and the kind of boys stuff. And mm. uh, it's, it's kind of surprised me a little bit because, I don't know, it felt like Universal was the boys' park and Disney was the girls' a little bit, which is kind of, you know, fine. Um, but because there's that kind of weird rides going on you've got spider-man rides and you've got all the x-men stuff um and you've got everything at universal studios which is a bit strange you think guardians is a kind of big plug for them and, and you think they might start to 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 work towards that kind of marvel kingdom because i mean you know it's going strength to strength still and spider-man is getting a huge early buzz i, I know it's off topic but like huge opening weekend predicted although that said, Wonder Woman, 100 million, didn't it, opening weekend, which has, has surprised me greatly, because I think when we last spoke about it before I was on the preview, there was literally no marketing at all. It yeah. was almost, like, unheard of. And then, presume they've just got the, the buzz and all the all the reviews came out and, and have, have taken it on a bit of a wave, which is, which is great. So it feels like it's going to be another big year for comic book release films which is no real surprise let's be honest well wonder woman has already grossed over half a billion see that's some going that's been out a couple of weeks yeah and and guardians 2 has overtaken guardians 1 in terms of global i mean obviously global box office isn't the be all and end all it's not the the sole metric but it's a good barometer of how well it's been received and the fact that the, the, the difficult sophomore film you know, the, the second album syndrome, as they often call it. The, the fact that it's gone out and it, many people have said it's better. I think it's better than the first film. If you take, I... it, if you take it as what it is, if you look at the, the narrative around the characters, the way the characters are, are, are better developed, I think it looks ten times better. Uh, yeah, look, completely agree. The look of it... And, and we will talk about that opening scene, which I think is one of the best opening scenes of all time, um, uh, just after Russell. Um, although his his transformation, Kurt Russell, into a younger man is quite incredible. It's terrifying. That, that, yeah. that stuff, that um, technology that they're using now, you think... Yeah, we've Robert had, Downey Jr. We've yeah. had Robert Downey Jr., which made me oh, genuinely was. rub my eyes to, to go, hang on, it's that... Shit, it's actually in, because at first I thought they'd got a lookalike, and I had to check, and, and then there was Princess Leia, was maybe not as good, but the Kurt Russell one was incredible. It was as if yeah. they'd really got in a DeLorean, 
gone back to what the seventies and plucked. Yeah, it's it's kind of yeah seventies early eighties. Even he must have been freaked out when he saw himself. Yeah, like that. (laughs) That must must have been weird. It's it's quite incredible actually, and I do look at it and go. Yeah, that's the kind of do you know what that's the kind of technology you want in films almost because as much as the the big CG and the big green screen and all that kind of stuff, I kind of like the subtle stuff and something like that which just feels so real. I mean, I think Downey Jr. was a little bit glowing somewhat. He didn't quite. Fit. He looked he looked a bit pregnant, didn't he? He did have a bit <laughs> of a glow about him, and it was the same with Princess Leia. She looked yeah. Uh, she didn't have real skin tone, she, like she had no pores. You could see that she was CG. Kurt yeah. Russell looked as if you could have, you know, as if he could have walked off a soundstage somewhere and stood yeah. next to current Kurt Russell as if some, yeah. you know, some kind of a clone. It's so, it's just so subtle, good, but yeah. so accurate. It's yeah, I, I just thought it was a really the thing with this film, and, and I. It's difficult for me to judge because I love that first film so much. I think the first film, structure-wise, might have been a little bit better. I felt like the, the plot was was quite succinct. It kind of made sense. I think this one, they realised about halfway through they had to get on and tell a story, whereas we all just wanted them to, to fight more things in space and take the piss out of each other and just basically fuck around for two hours. I'd been really happy with them just ripping the piss out of each other, but I I think it had to get itself together. But then, you know, I think Ronan was arguably the the weaker part of the first film in terms of villain. I think uh, Russell, as a rule, he doesn't really fear you. You don't get much dread from him. Do you know what I mean? But he doesn't fear you with much, I don't know, See, I, of, I don't you know, think he's meant to be that kind of a villain. I, I like no. the fact that he's he, he's a villain he's without totally being different. homicidal. Yeah. You know, well, he has. I mean, he he was prepared to wipe out life well, and the entire galaxy, but he doesn't believe that he's doing anything wrong because he thinks that it's for the greater good, because it's for his survival, and because he's a celestial, he is yeah. above everyone else in the whole galaxy. And the bit that to... triggered me, the bit that triggered me, just uh, with him when you, you mentioned that, is, is when they do the whole when they first show about him, um, what he did on different planets. Oh and, god, yeah. Um, and then they show the reproducing with all the different beings. It's like that was a bit of a shock to the system because that was quite dark. And and this film, you know, let's be honest, is generally a pretty light-hearted film. Oh yeah, that that yeah. that scene where he's walking around the hall, it was brilliantly done. The way he had the statues reenacting it. And like yeah. I say, it was. It starts off. It's beautiful. It's telling the story about how he wants to be and how he wants to to travel and see the world. And then when it gets to the bit where you realise that Quill's well, mum was not special, she was what you know, she was number five thousand in a list of millions. Yeah. And, and then the, when he drops the bomb, that he's when he the drops one that bomb, this is a the, spoiler special, by the way, just in case yes. anyone is thinking otherwise. This is very much spoiled. If yeah. you've not seen already, I would be surprised. But when still, he, when he drops that that bombshell that he gave her cancer, that was I. I think I actually did go. <gasps> what? Yeah, no, there was an element of that for me because I I genuinely didn't see that coming in that regard. I, he, I, he, I, he painted it, didn't he? The whole thing was. She was the she was the exception. She was a genuine love. She was, you know, she was the love of his life. But then he was able to put a tumor in her head and just kill her off yeah. like that. And it very very dark. But the way he delivers it as well, there's no. He's so upbeat the way he's talking about it, as if 
you know, yeah, I just, you know, went to the kitchen, made myself a cup of tea, got some biscuits, killed someone, and then I just went and watched TV. You know, he just drops it in in the middle of a, of a, of a dialogue without yeah. without breaking pace at all, and that's what I, I that's liked what, about that him. that's what was good about him, is, is you're right, his pacing, his way of delivering things is kind so of... So light-hearted, isn't it? Like like the film, he's, he's so jovial, and he... He looks really non-threatening. He's nice and colourful. He's big. He's smiling. He's got his big, huge, bushy beard like Santa. But he's actually really... I don't know. He's genocidal, xenophobic, whatever. But he was quite happy to wipe out billions of lives across all these planets so long as his reach, you know, increased throughout the galaxy. Yeah. that That's really fucking evil. But I, I agree with what you said before, <laughs> that Ronan probably was the weakest point in in the first film but that's yeah, not saying it's not like you know he was shit he no, just no, no. He, he just wasn't anywhere near up to the the, and the one of my favorite parts of the film is 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 when the dance off what the dance off because his reaction is just incredible what are you doing he dance just, off bro <laughs> just because he looks so evil and threatening and throughout it he's got this very threatening exterior you know doesn't ever smile doesn't ever show any form of emotion really other than rage um and he just suddenly does it. it's that nonchalant kind of what the fuck is going on look which i think to be honest being on set with james gunn um would eventually do that to you because uh, it just sounds like they have such an incredible time and I, I don't think they take themselves that seriously let's be honest but yeah i think the casting kurt russell was was great um and i just think he you know, he, he kind of sets the tone quite well early on, and then what you obviously lead into, um, which for me, strangely, I mean, there's some great scenes in this film, and it, I, I, overall, I think it's got some really memorable moments. But but James Gunn doing the CG dancing as Baby Groot. Oh, have you seen the Have you seen the behind the Yes, uh, <laughs> the videos that they use for the actual mocap are hilarious. Because if you'd said to me who'd done that. I never would have picked him. I would have said probably Chris pa- Chris Pratt. Yeah, or, it, le- it leads Brad- towards a Chris Bradley Pratt, Cooper, yeah. something like that. I would never have imagined that James Gunn would have would have done that. I read something before, and I might have to fact check this. I'm well, he did sure, the Baby Groot dance in the first film. I'm sure that somewhere said it took something like two years to to plan and to actually do that scene. Because the amount of movement that was involved and because you think everything that's going on in the background for, what, a good few minutes, every step of the way, Groot is moving and dancing and spinning and interacting with things. That Apparently that whole scene took two years, but I I need to fact check that. Yeah, I I think, being honest, it's one of the best CG-driven scenes I can remember, full stop, in any film. It's Um, everything, the the expressions on his face when he's really getting into it as Mr. Blue Sky's playing. (laughs) It's just... And and you you don't know what to do because they're they're fighting this gigantic alien space worm in the background, but you're watching the little baby tree dancing and scooting and shuffling across the, the stage and you don't know what to look at. You're like, I should be watching the fight. But he's so cute. Look at him. <laughs> it's brilliant. That that's going to be one of the most replayed scenes when it's out on Blu-ray and stuff. You'll find a lot of people. I bet a lot of kids will be having their parents pausing and rewinding that, and they'll be dancing along to it. 
it's just. I will it, be watching that scene. Let's be honest. And dancing I will along watch that to scene it. a hundred times. I would imagine by the end of the year. Yeah, because it. I, I like you said. I mean, you don't know what to do. You, you're watching the scene going. That's incredible. But then in the background, you're going, look at that. <laughs> look at this. And then there's kind of fireworks and explosions. And Groot then starts interacting with the people, doesn't he? Obviously, waves at Gamora. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just genius. <laughs> they showed that in one of the trailers, didn't they? And he just he doesn't seem to get the gravity of the situation. And it's a big over-the-top wave. And you've got the Quill's little pouty moment when he sees Gamora using... Um, uh, she's using a gun, isn't she? Yes. And he's like, yeah. oh, but guns were my thing. I thought you were using swords. And he's really <laughs> pissed off about uh, it. He's just... That's... Yeah, I mean, that's what he plays that well, doesn't he? Do you know what I mean? That's his, his proper kind of... It's like a high school romance, isn't it, with those two? It just, he just doesn't know. It's like... But they were my thing, and, and I thought that was your thing. <laughs> it's just, just genius. Um, it's so Dra- clever. Drax and his, uh, his chafing nipples, <sighs> so he, uh, he won't wear a rocket pack. That's that line. I mean, you know, we can talk about Drax in detail, um, because he pretty much steals the film, I think, uh, on the most part. I think him and Rocket are the two that have really got the most... It was Rocket for me. I, yeah, I, I felt... Yeah. It, Probably my only criticism of the whole film was sometimes it felt like they'd, they'd gone from one extreme to the other of Drax being super dry, and now they were almost pushing him too much as the like the comedy yeah. leg to lean on. Yeah, but you can't. When he laughs, it almost it spontaneously it's, it's makes infectious. you laugh. It's it's the very clever scene when um, obviously Mantis reveals his. Um, Quill's inner secret about being in love with Gamora, which isn't so surprising, let's be honest. Um, or he lusts after and all the other stuff she says. And Drax is obviously just in stitches laughing. Mantis touches him and he's, they're both just absolutely creasing. That just... I remember the cinema just being in absolute bits at that moment in time. And and that's something I was going to say about the film. So I watched it in IMAX um, 3D and it was just breathtaking that particular opening scene in particular you know it was just really stunning um, and the sound quality and everything was just pitch perfect with this film the production is just off the charts and I think you can see how meticulous James Gunn is um, but oh, the yeah. reaction the reaction to the film is is something that did it for me so in the cinema I went first night I think you did the Friday night anyway yeah. um, and it was just it was obviously full and the audience were just loving it and and everyone there was presumably a big fan as they would be um and then i went to see it with my little boy in in the states uh, about i don't know two weeks ago now so it had already been out a month and it was kind of half empty you know it was middle of the day kind of thing and people were laughing and people were kind of getting it but it, it's such a different experience i, I don't know because obviously i was answering a shit ton of questions to a six-year-old and, and trying to explain what the hell was going on. Um, and he generally, well, he really enjoyed it, but there was a lot of things that would go over his head. Q, you You'd making hope a, a lot of them would go over his head. Well, I know, exactly. Might have closed his eyes on the scene where we're talking about impregnating the world because it wasn't exactly six-year-old friendly, but other than yeah. that, you know, it's all good. And it's, it's, it's a weird thing with the film because I think the first time I went in, I came out thinking that's one of the best films I've ever seen. And then the second time, it's kind of on reflection and a little bit different. Um, and because I wasn't probably fully giving it my attention, and I think I, I want to watch it again, you know, and just kind of soak it all back in again, because it's just, there's, there's a lot of subtlety as much as it's all in your face, you know, but there are some very clever lines 
usually you pick up by a lot Star more Wars. second time, yeah. don't you? I remember say, I remember yeah. thinking it about Deadpool. The first time I watched oh, it, God, yeah. I, I, I picked up a lot, but the second time, because I wasn't looking for the things that were in your face, I was able to pick out some of the really subtle things that are like in the background. And I, I came out the second time and really appreciated Deadpool more, and then even more so the third time, because I felt like I'd picked up every last granular detail. And that's why I like going seeing films more than once, because you, you once the... You get carried away in the gravity and the magnitude, don't you, in the first time, but then the second yeah. time you can be a little bit more calm. You can listen to the dialogue. You know when something really big's coming up, so you know, right, I need to really pay attention to this bit. Yeah, and I think for me, I mean, I enjoyed it more the first time, just given the experience, because I think everyone was enjoying it. Do you know what I mean? When you're in a cinema and it's the right audience and everyone gets it, do you know what I mean? And, and yeah. you know everyone in that first showing's going to wait till the end credits do you know what i mean all the way to the end of the credits um i think there was a ton of five in hours i think there might have been it it was very very full it was maybe three quarters full because it was only two days after release i only remember seeing half a dozen maybe 10 people leave everyone else knows the drill Firm and you're almost, you're almost booing those people as they leave, do you know what I mean? <laughs> you see people, because most people that are there are in groups, either small groups, me and Tom were there, and you see people going in fours, fives and sixes, and oh, when yeah. you see someone leaving, people are nudging each other going, they don't realise that there's post-credit scenes coming up, <laughs> those fucking idiots, you'll have to watch them on YouTube, loser. Because <laughs> you just don't, you, you know after every film, comic book film, unless you've specifically read it before going in, you, you sit down and you wait for the credits. And we knew going into this when I'd heard everything from two to five. And just yeah. before, when the lights were getting ready to come down, I read one last thing and it was from, I don't know whether it was from James Gunn or somebody else on the cast. And it said, yes, there are five post credit scenes. So we yeah. looked at it and went, right, let's make sure we keep our asses glued to these seats. And as, exactly. we, as we were going down, we were counting them off going, right, that's one, that's two. And yeah, it, yeah, the, the, the whole great. thing, when you go and see these films, you, you don't just get an hour and a half, two hours. It's everything. The anticipation before I it. I completely agree, actually. Yeah, I completely agree. It's That's the big thing for me. It's it's James Gunn film is from start to finish. It, and, from literally zero, 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 0001 on your timer, right yeah. through to 15 minutes after the credits started, you're still sat there, you're still gripped, you've not got your phone out, you've not sort of half put your jacket on because you're getting ready to leave, you're still completely in the zone because you you can't, if you blink, you miss the Easter eggs in the, yeah. um, in the post-credits. Who, who was the, who's the guy, oh God, why Jeff Goldblum in Dancing in the post-credits is just genius, which you may have missed. I'm thinking I missed that. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum is dancing in the post-credit scenes, which is just incredible. Oh, the, no, I, yeah, when they, they had um, the viral footage that came out with like the group Scoot and the Ravager Raver and stuff. Yeah, I did see. Yeah, I did see. Jeff. I thought you meant in one of the actual scenes, but it was on no, the no, no. Uh, it was it's on the credits the roll, wasn't it? Yeah, it's on the credits roll. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, that. stuff like that, even on the credits roll, there's there's something to keep your eye. Do you know what I mean? And and obviously the soundtrack is is something else. Like you talk about the film, and then you're waiting for the release. But the soundtrack with these films is something that just you, you play before, middle, during, after, all, all the way, and until the release. And then you still play. I still play the first soundtrack now. Um, 
And but again, the second it's all, soundtrack it's all just part incredible. Of the, it's all part of the experience, isn't it? it? Again, it's something that he gets better than so many other people. It, it's yeah. an experience, you know. And, and he, he talks about it all the time. They love the fact that people go and watch the film. But then on the way home from the film, they're downloading or streaming the, the soundtrack and then they've got it on for three weeks every single day in work. And yeah, they, they our, put good, our good friend serious... Marco Lopez tweeted nearly every day about two weeks after, you know, listening to the chain, listening to this, listening to that. Like, you definitely yeah. got it. And and I was the same, you know. It's, it's one of those soundtracks which, again, he just kind of gets the right kind of hooks and, and, and the right moments for the right scenes and... I mean, there's, there's a few powerful scenes in this. Um, Father, is it Father and Son by Cat Stevens? Is the song? Oh yeah, um, I think I remember we played we, on the Zune. We um, we said about that in the um, in the preview. We, we expected that to be over some kind of a heartfelt moment between Kurt Russell between yeah. the two of them. Yeah, we were wrong, wrong, wrong father figure in the end. Um, but right we, message. We got the message oh, right. We just got the yeah. daddy wrong. Yeah, we probably didn't predict what what it would be playing on. Which I don't is just think anyone could have predicted that that <laughs> twist. If they'd gone for an early iPod, um, apparently uh, Peter Quill's early dialogue was was something really long and profound and all that kind of stuff. And then you know he just said, you know, you killed my mom and, and broke my Walkman or whatever he said. And he just said, James Gunn said, no, nothing else. I don't need any more words. That's just perfect. And I don't think it was ad libbed, but it was the one they went with. And I just thought it was a, great. A big over the top dialogue wouldn't have suited, would it? It wouldn't no. have gone with the character because he, he's a very emotive character. He, he, he speaks from the heart, and sometimes he says stupid things in the moment. And in the grand scheme of things, that was probably really stupid, but it's just pure emotion based on what he was feeling. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, in other films, you would have thought, you know, the introduction of, of, of the kind of bigger actors or random actors in certain roles, like Sliced Alone, for instance, wouldn't have really worked. Do you know what I mean? But I don't think it felt subtle enough. It didn't feel like they were trying to take over the scenes. It felt like they were kind of integrated into the film. Do you know what I mean? And I thought... I thought that story with Yondu um, was almost a secondary story, but it was probably, when it came to it, it was probably the most prominent. And listening to James Gunn particularly, he loves Michael Rooker. Oh, he absolutely adores him. I mean, they're practically BFFs, but he he says he he cannot praise him enough for the work that he does and the way he does it and what a consummate professional he is and the way he is on the press tours. He's got time for everyone. And yeah, I, I heard a really, like a really strange quote before from uh, Chris Pratt. He said that he thought that Michael Rooker had the best shirtless scene in the film because yeah. Michael Rooker's was exposing a different side of Yondu, whereas his own one was just him showing off his physique again and he thought that it was kind of a bit, his, his, bit, a bit fluffy. His felt very gratuitous, actually, and I kind of... And, it was a bit of a strange scene, you know, just, but, but Yondu's felt, you know, genuine. Do you know what I mean? It felt, you just felt the kind of emptiness. Do you know what I mean? When you were in that scene, particularly when he's, um, shacked up with some robotic prostitutes or whatever. Yeah. It just, it just felt completely soul destroying for him. And, and it was, wasn't of, it? Cause it, it, we, we thought Yondu from the first film was, this really, really badass Ravager space yeah. pirate, and it turns out 
that he's not even liked by the Ravagers. He's not technically even a Ravager anymore. Because um, no, exactly. what's um, uh, Stakar, uh, Sylvester yes. Stallone, yeah. he, uh, he poo-poos the fact that he's still wearing the Ravager logo and he, he feels sort of slighted by the fact that he's wearing it because they basically kicked him out, haven't they, for what he was doing. And, yeah, then, yeah. and then it all comes out, we now know what he was doing, how he picked up Peter Quill. Because they hinted at it, didn't they, as to why he picked him up and he was delivering him to his dad. But then the scale... Oh, comes well, up that was the thing that that sudden moment when you went okay you know I, I get it he's been um, taking children from all over the galaxy and, and trying to use their powers if they had any which they didn't but when you suddenly realise that Yondu's the one that was delivering all of them do you know what I mean and earning a lot of money and doing very very bad things but Quill's the one that made him change do you know what I mean and yeah. that's it was, his, it was his little moment prominent. of retribution. Yeah. And a, a lot of people said it, it, it. it's tough to look past anyone other than Yondu in terms of development. Because Rocket came on leaps and bounds. They the, the humanised Rocket a lot more. They, yeah, um, they, they did. They, they rounded guess... out Drax, but nobody I don't, uh, that I can think had any kind of an impact in the way that Yondu did. Yondu went from villain to like the lowest of the low villain to the ultimate hero in the space of two hours yeah and, yeah. oh and it, no I mean no one else no one else made that kind of impact I'd I'd make a case for development of a character almost secondary Rocket as you mentioned but Nebula's got a good kind of interesting arc in this as well yeah Karen, Karen Gillan was really good in, in albeit in a quite a reduced role but I, I thought her and Gamora would, were interesting and, and when they eventually got to the crux of it I saw it, that was good it was nice to see that because for, again from the first one she's just she's, you know, that she's just yeah. a big badass robot killing machine and then it turns out that all she wanted in life well they've was, all got daddy issues <laughs> they've all, all got daddy issues let's put it that yeah. way all, all she um, wanted was, was a sister somebody to, to play with and have fun with and every time she excelled uh, so every time Gamora excelled, Nebula's the one that pays the price. Yeah, and then it I starts mean, getting really dark because we know what Thanos is. We know that he's well, a- you do, but I would say from a perspective of of the MCU, they've never really expressed it in film format. Which no. you've got to remember that ninety percent of probably people going haven't done any comic reading i wouldn't imagine um maybe 70 percent, maybe 80 percent. but they might have read on wikipedia they might have read on the internet imdb whatever but i don't think they would have read to the depths that i don't think anyone really knows to the extent how bad thanos is i think you know loki's the one that's the most charismatic villain but i don't think in the mcu we've really had any villain that's i don't know I, no, nothing at the level of the joker do you know what i mean no oh, one God, is sadistic no, or no, mine no, no genuine like cold-blooded psychopath no exactly and i think you know it's hinting at the well, it's obviously more than hinting at that with thanos but it's it's there wasn't I was surprised he wasn't in the film. Do you know what I mean? It did surprise me a little bit. Um, and it did surprise me that, again, Thor is going to be the film that has to lead into, you know, into Infinity Wars, really, because that's got to do all the groundwork. I think we're still missing an Infinity Stone, aren't we? And there's obviously one in Doctor Strange, but... Technically, I think we're missing two. Okay. That, that haven't actually been formally named as, as okay. stones. 
Yeah, so that's quite interesting. I think Thor's going to have its work cut out. It doesn't have to do it on a, a big scale, but I just, I, I was surprised and, and actually pleasantly surprised in a lot of ways that Guardians 2 was all the directors. Do you know what I mean? You could tell it was James Gunn was the full license to do what he wanted to. And I think maybe just that they learned from the first film to to let him do that. They gave him his full trust. Um, and like we said before on the preview that he's the third director, he's the only first director to be penciled in to do all three films in the, in a trilogy, which is, which is great. Yeah. Obviously the Russo, Russo brothers is getting their own. Yeah. They're well liked. Do you know what I mean? And, and I think you would have thought Josh Whedon would have been, would have been involved if things didn't go the way they'd gone a little bit in the second film. And yeah, the, the if, that, if that, that relationship hadn't got so sour, then it's yeah. hard to... I don't think he would have walked away if it had still been friendly and, and amicable. And you look, you look how they're clambering after him, DC, do you know what I mean? It's He's obviously... Is he working on... He's, he's now tying up Justice League, isn't he? Because, yeah, because um, uh, of uh, Zack Snyder having to bow out. Yeah, which I think bears it good promise to be honest no disrespect yeah. but i think if he's if he's given any kind of license to to change any of the film i don't know how deep it was to to production but that might only be a good thing to be honest because i think whedon did some incredible work really looking back at it and um for the avengers and, and age of ultron which we talked about so you know guns obviously held in in huge esteem by by marvel and, and you can see why i mean it is it's properly his vision the film you know and and from start to finish like we said there's nothing it just feels like he gets everything across i mean if the characters that i think are a little bit underwhelming i think we should talk about um we'll go back and talk about rocket in more detail and, and a bit more about yondu and stuff but i think i think gamora and, and even star lord I don't think got as much to work with as you might have hoped. No, yeah, I think that's fair comment. I think it, it did sort of take the the focus away, but I think it had to because yeah. we, we already had the Peter Quill origin story. If they'd just done a second one, it would have been a little bit boring and they couldn't have flipped it and done... There's not really that much of Gamora to do an origin story with. No. They, but they, they, they did have the bit. You know, they, they got the, the explanation of why the relationship with Nebula is the way it is, you know, why she is the way she is, because she's the way she is, because she had to survive. If she didn't beat Nebula, it was her that was going to be tortured and have limbs removed. So, you know, survival of the fittest and all that. Yeah, exactly. And it it, it fleshed out where it needed to be done. But he, he still got all the things that he got from the first film, didn't he? He still got the good lines. He still got the action. He still got the awkward sort of love story angle where you just don't know if him and Gamora are ever actually going to work it out. You've got him versus Rocket because they both respect but kind of hate each other, where he's just thinking of as many different nicknames as he can. Like Trash Panda is a great one. Trash Panda just... And he's like, is Trash Panda better? (laughs) It's so much worse. (laughs) Um, That was, yeah. That scene when they're being chased by the, um, what are they called? The golden people of whichever. um, I can't remember what they're called. I can't remember what they're bloody called. They're quite forgettable as well, I'll be honest. I mean, she's quite interesting as a lead. Yeah, Yeah, Aisha and I can't remember what the... um, 
uh, the country or the area, whatever it is. But uh, I kind of like that it's like a video game that they're chasing them on those virtual ships. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think that was really subtle and really quite clever. But she's quite good when she gets some screen time, and I kind of liked it when she rocked Elizabeth up with Debitty. Yeah, when she rocked up at Yondu's place and had the full red carpet rolled out. Do you know what I mean? And she's she's certainly interesting, but her best scene as a side character was was definitely when when they you know defeated the giant squid thing and then went and rocket was doing his oh, whole yeah. winking thing and, and, <laughs> peter, and peter quill was basically chatter up showing starlord was putting the moves on until gamora kind of gave him the eye and he decided to back down a little bit which i just thought that that first kind of half an hour 45 minutes I can't remember having that much fun at the cinema for quite a long time, actually. I just saw, and, and when they were flying the ship and Rocket kept taking over and he <laughs> yeah. taking over and then Groot was being passed around the ship and I just thought it was brilliant. And that subtle stuff about, you know, with um, the fruit not being ripe and they, you know, that was quite a funny scene when they just kept telling Nebula, the fruit's not right, you can't eat it. And everyone kept telling her, and then she went to eat it, said, shit, it's not right. <laughs> it's just, I like all the subtlety. It's not all about... She's very good, Karen Gill. Yeah, she is. Yeah, I really do think she's great, actually. Um, her scene when... Oh, it's a great scene with Rocket, you know, when they're on that island and, and Quill's gone off to... Um, Ego's planet um, with Gamora and Drax and, and they're fixing the ship um, and he, he basically messes with the, the group of Ravagers and puts all his booby traps in place and I, I thought that was really good and then she just comes straight in Nebula once she's been freed by Groot and just shoots off Yondu's um, fin and just says hello boys I thought that was just very she's got evil. great presence yeah I just think she's got great presence and I thought oh, I liked it when she was on the ship and her scenes between her and James Gunn's um, brother well, Sean yeah I thought um, he was I thought he was great actually as well oh what's his bloody name what is his name oh uh, Craglin yeah I thought he was I thought he was really good he, he, his role was relatively compared to the first one was huge yeah, he had a very prominent part to play because he was kind of in the first one. He was one of he was just dozen, one of the a dozen of people who kind of sniggered here and there and said the odd thing. Do you know what I mean? But didn't have any import um, into the story necessarily. And I thought he was yeah. The, the scene almost he got me in that scene um, with Yondu his funeral. You know when he you know we just kind of. It's his heart really hard and stuff. That he, he he was he was very good actually, and that's the thing with this film. I don't think any of the side characters really let anything down. Do you know what I mean? I thought it was more the leads, which didn't always get enough to to work with. Really, um, yeah, that's a good good shout. You, you could you could definitely argue that this was more the the sidekicks film than the yeah. than the main ones. And you just think going into it, you just wonder whether Yondu was that much of a lead character. Do you know what I mean? I, I guess the script is set, isn't it? But it, it seems like maybe through development that he just got more of a prominent role than maybe you expected. I mean, I don't know. You, you would have thought Chris Pratt was the one that... Chris Pratt and Kurt Russell's story was the one everyone expected to be the main aspect of the film. And, and obviously it is in a lot of ways. And it's the main kind of plot. But it's all the subplots that go on around it that I actually found more interesting. And yeah. I think I think Rocket and Groot again 
I mean, who, I don't know who's, who's Chris that mentioned the spin-off, but what I'd pay to see a Rocket and Groot spin-off, I just absolutely love those two characters. And I thought, I mean, Baby Groot, we have to talk about, um, and then we'll go on to talk about Rocket, because Baby Groot wasn't too much. Do you know what I mean? Did Did you have any fears like I did that it was just a gimmick at times? No, I, I, no. I, like a child, I completely bought into the whole thing. I thought there was going to be more, like, set-ups. Like, there'd be more things that Sadie could put on T-shirts, you know, more famous scenes with him, something yeah. like that. Um, I still, I still, the scene where he's he's going to push the wrong button oh, the, still the, gets, the, gets the, me the every time. The scene was... It, it, it's... It's Bradley Cooper that makes that because it's the exasperation in his voice where he's just going, no! And he just yeah. he, he can't, and you wish you could understand what Groot is saying. He goes, <laughs> I am Groot, yes. I am Groot, yes. I am Groot, no! Just, <laughs> Bradley Cooper's brilliant. I, I, I can't wait for the behind-the-scenes videos to come out of him yeah. doing his, uh, his voice work because yeah. he's brilliant. And the, the effort he puts into it, there was a good piece with him, I think it was on Ellen a couple of okay. years ago, and he, he's talking about his method of how he does it, and he puts more work into the voice work than he does with a real scene, because he accepts that you can't see what he's doing, so he's got to convey, he's got to convey more with less. Yeah, and I think you always know he does. I mean, he, he oh, he's outside, all of, in, outside he? of Drax, he's got the best lines in the film. I oh, mean, yeah. he, he he delivers everything perfectly, but all his scripts, all his lines are just brilliant. Um, obviously, the scene when he's fighting with Quill on the ship is, is genius, but the scenes when he's locked up with Yondu, um, and obviously they find a kind of relationship, and that's that's something quite, quite it's touching that, in a way. It's off-borderline abusive, doesn't it? Like, he's constantly yeah. reminding him. I had to stop the rest of the crew from eating you, and then it, it you really do towards the end. You really do get the sense of well, he clearly does actually have a lot of affection for him, and he's saying it because he actually means it. That he really did save people from eating him, but he did it for a reason. Yeah, yeah, and I think Yondu's kind of relationship with with all the kind of characters is is is, is interesting. You know, him and Rocket. I've got someone said that's another father son type relationship. It's not. All it is 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 two people that share a similar kind of history. Do you know what I mean? Two people it's, that were abused in one way or another or It's more like a brother a, thing, isn't it? It's yeah, not, it's it not is. father son, it's more brother or maybe I don't know, just they're like kind of kindred spirits, aren't they? Because they're Rock, just kindred Rocket's spirits. not really yeah. met anyone who knows what it's like to have been screwed over that much. For no, your and, and life. exactly. And Yondu keeps reminding him that I know what you're going through. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he's saying I. He, he he explains to Rocket, you're this and you're that and you're this, and he's like, well, you know, because I I I'm you. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I get it. And I thought their their relationship was interesting. Um, and Gru had, I mean, one of my favourite scenes, if not my favourite scene, is when he's bringing back different things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just I just thought it was just absolute gold. And it I, just I mean, comes it was, back to the prison scene, doesn't it? It just it was set up to be perfect, yeah. And this film does hark back to the first film really well uh, at times. And Without being cheesy. 
Yeah, and it, you know, I don't know if it refers back to Kevin Bacon, but obviously it's all about David Hasselhoff in this one. But um, it does refer back well, you know, with Star Lord and Gamora and them dancing and those kind of scenes, and and that that works really quite subtly. But but I love that that he brought the eye. I love that he brought the eye oh, because yeah. it's just like bringing the leg in the first film in the prison, and I just thought it was just absolutely genius. And obviously the severed toe, and, and Rocket says to Yondu, "Do you have a place where you keep?" Like human toes, I said. No, <laughs> <laughs> he's just shaking his head. He's like, "Let's never speak about this again." And then he brings a desk. <laughs> yeah, brings one of those it rats. The whole, like... <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's it's great that they're trying to explain this to Groot. I think Groot's intelligence levels do go up and down a little bit sometimes in this film. Um, I prefer him when he's being an absolute idiot because that's yeah. when he's at his most cute. Yeah, when but he's an it, absolute it, dickhead. But you feel for him as well. They they send him to the tailor, don't they? Oh, <laughs> just and he puts him in his little thing. But they fucking pour beer all over him and stuff. And his you little ravager outfit. Yeah, they made, a, they made a deal, a big deal out of that in the first trailer. That well, it's you know, Rocket's in a ravager outfit and maybe he's being kidnapped or captured. Yeah. Or, and it turns out he's he's just become a little mascot, hasn't he? He's yeah, just, exactly. He's just a little poster child for the ravagers. Yeah, it's and there was just I don't know. I thought the ravages um, were quite interesting. You liked the taser face joke. Oh, I um, loved it because it was so stupid. I know it's proper James Gunn. I bet they were having a right laugh at, at <laughs> when they were doing that. Scene. You can imagine when they were doing like a table read for it. They must have been pissing themselves. It's did Bradley it, Cooper's it, kind of sarcastic fake laughing. Oh, and then he yeah, says, and then he says. <laughs> what were they going to call you scrotum head or something <laughs> that just absolutely got me and obviously my little boy he wouldn't have even picked up on that but you I was in absolute bits no I know but I was just in absolute bits because that part of the film I just thought it was really really good um, that would but have been what the Ravages were doing was actually pretty brutal in those scenes and then what Yondu and Rocket proceeded to do basically mass slaughtered a lot of them yeah you know, I've heard in reviews people a bit taken back by that actually, and and I kind of because of the way it's done, you know, with the song and the style, and it didn't even make me blink. Me either. But well, I think that to just other goes people, to show the power of of the way it's shot, and as you said, the yeah. music music sets the tone. If you've got people being murdered, but there's a happy yeah. classic rock song on, you're not going to take it as much as if there was like. You know, Halloween music playing or something no. like that that's really chilling and, and, and the gets music, the, hair standing the up. music is perfect. I mean, Brandy sets the tone really well and, and obviously played more than once in the film. Yeah. And the chain's used a couple of times. And I saw George Harrison's song um, when they first go to Ego's Planet, when they just see how splendid the planet is and all this stuff and all the bubbles popping and stuff. I thought that was just really good. I think my, my favourite out of the. the my favourite song off the soundtrack is The Chain because The Chain is my jam. The Chain is just but such a great song. My favourite one from the film was actually Brandy. I think the way yeah. they used it and the way it became, it was the narrative, wasn't it, for his entire it was relationship? All, it was a narrative. It yeah, was it's amazing. almost the narrative of their life, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, they obviously mu- really they must have chosen it because the way the the way it's... He, he, he well, he uses the, the lyrics, lyrics doesn't he? Yeah, he recites the lyrics, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, that's it. It's as if the song was written about... Uh, ego and Meredith's relationship and yeah very very clever very clever it, it was clever and I think the thing is obviously Kurt Russell then goes on to say that 
he'd been back three times and, and he did genuinely feel X, Y, and Z, but then he still killed her off with a brain tumour. So yeah. he's not exactly um, got any redeeming overall qualities, but, no, you know, even not, the scene not. when they're playing with energy, you know, and Star-Lord learns how to use the kind of energy and the powers he's got, and they just play catch, like a lot of yeah. kind of traditional American, you know, baseball kind of thing. Um, see, see that, that in other films would be a bit of a, Oh Jesus! But it works, and and that's the thing. Everything about the film, in fairness, was was subtle enough, um, except Drax. (laughs) And I think we Drax's humour in this film and Drax's approach, some of his lines. He's so OTT, but some of his lines were genius i'll be honest the lines well his his relationship with mantis who's almost like a daughter to him and it is obviously all about family um in its approach do you know what i mean it's all daddy issues and and sister issues and family kind of stuff Uh, but mantis is obviously an interesting character but he keeps constantly saying how repulsive she's looking yeah And, and she's like but, you know, I'm not interested in you. And then he starts almost throwing up in his mouth. <laughs> the thought of having to sleep with her is repulsive. And then at the end of the film, he basically says, you know, you're beautiful on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> and I just thought, I just thought, actually, he, he was very funny. And the, the line, which is probably the most over the top about his... His turds being notoriously large, was it? I think that's what he said. Was just I think it I was. Don't know. It, was, it was large. The cinema was just in raptures. Do you know what I mean? You can't, as much as it's childish humour and all the rest of it. It's still, it's still had, you need it had everyone laughing. Humor. If you, yeah. if you can't find a little bit of humour in an alien, a big muscle bound alien laughing about how giant his turds are, then you yeah. shouldn't be watching a comic book film. You should probably oh, be going watching like you know a French art house film about a really depressed cat or something. <laughs> Just, you, you shouldn't be watching a film about basically space pirates. Do you know what? I think we'll know if we've made it in about eighteen months to two years' time if a film gets released. <laughs> film <about laughs> depressed. It's going to be cat. called something like Le Miao or something. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, like I actually kind of want to see that film now. I, yeah, as long as I, it's got I, Bradley I Cooper doing the voice. <laughs> Bradley Cooper starring in Le Miao. I'm not sure what film it is, but oh god, it, it's not Five Hundred Days of Summer. There's a film. Um, it might be Trainwreck actually, where um, Daniel Radcliffe is randomly a dog walker, and for some reason, I can see Daniel Radcliffe in this cat-based French film, black and white art house thing. You know, it, it's going to go down a storm. Yeah. I think you've, you've got a, a golden, golden ticket right there. Um, I, I just need someone to finance it because I'm broke as shit. Yeah, well, tell me about it. Um, Disney's just screwed me over royally. Mickey's just pulled my pants down and had his way. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, I, don't, I don't think Disney... <laughs> Mickey doesn't pull people's pants down. Huh? That's one of, that's one of my only uh, impressions I can do. It's, it's not bad. You, do, you don't do a bad Bradley Cooper rocket, actually. You do the odd impression. Hey. You know? I think we've probably got a little bit more to cover, but, I mean, overall, let's be honest... It's it's a massive resounding success for James yeah. Gunn, isn't it? By by, um, every, by every possible factor, it's a success. The fact yeah. that they're already now writing the script for the third one is I think he's probably crazy. halfway through. You know, he's probably. I mean, he probably knows what it's going to be. Before he, he probably knows the framework, but he, he said after it was released, I think he went away for 
a couple of weeks, and yeah. then and then the formal announcement came that three had been commissioned or drafted or however you'd, you'd word it, and then he said yeah. he was actually formally starting work on the uh, on the script, and that's a hell of a work ethic because by the time the third one comes out and they've done all the press tours and that, they'll, that'll have been what seven eight years. Yeah, Some, and, and that's like the thing. That. I don't think he's written a couple of other things. I think there was a film that came out that he had writing credits on, um, some B movie <laughs> horror thing. You know what he's like. Um, I looked the other day. Did he direct the weird Scooby Doo um, remake? I've kind got of, no idea. I didn't you know pay what? any attention to that. You want that? No. One that I did. Freddie did it. Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah. Yeah. Michelle the Gala? only reason I've got a feeling he did is because I read it was going to be R-rated, which would have been <laughs> absolutely hilarious. It probably would have um, been good. Yeah. No, I know. Um, let's see. Oh, James Gunn wrote it. Wow, <laughs> he wrote it, okay. um, which what is the incredible. Fuck was he drinking? I know. He wrote the story and the screenplay. So um, he's, he's something man. else. James Gunn. He's well. Yeah, that's going back. Like. And that's the thing. You look at his, his his credentials, and he really hasn't got any. And I'm not trying to no. sound disrespectful. He did do Super, which is a really weird offbeat. Yeah, um, Super's dark as shit. Yeah, it is. It's got Ray Wilson in and Ellen Page, and it's such a weird film. Um, but actually, it's quite entertaining in parts. But it's very dark. Um, and you kind of get a sense of his humour there, but obviously he's brought it to life. And I think, I think the main... You know, and we we always talk a lot about directors and and, and stuff on this. Mainly more more you to be up. fair. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm more about but, the turd jokes. Yeah, but for, in fairness, what what we're saying about it is that it's great that Marvel are giving the license to their directors, and I think the same thing we we concerned about with DC, and obviously hope that. You know, I haven't seen Wonder Woman. I know the hype and I know the praise you've given it and everyone else has. And I, I'm going to see it soon. But I think hopefully we see more of that in this kind of, you know, same with James Mangold with, with Logan. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. And same with Deadpool. Um, and, and I think that's what we all want. I think Marvel did constrain its directors at times. And I think... Well, it's, still what, this, it's what cost them Joss Whedon, isn't it? He really, really well, yeah. resented the way they, they, they wouldn't yeah. just let him do his thing. Then, yeah, and it cost Edgar Wright, which, let's be honest, the guy you, was on that never get for over how long? That. I'll never get over it. He was working it. on it for something like 11 years in, in various well, different yeah. forms. And that's the thing. The reason I won't get over it is because I love Ant-Man as a film, but I think it could have been better, infinitely better. And, and obviously, you know my love for Scott Pilgrim, and I, I, yeah. genuinely, I, I genuinely think him doing a film of that that scale would have just been incredible and, and telling his story. Um, he's got a film coming out called Baby Driver, which is getting like massive universal acclaim, five-star reviews, which yeah. is his first kind of big How old film. is Edgar Wright? Side note, because when I see pictures of him, I expect him to be a lot older than he actually he's, is. He's, he's, I think he's only about 40 or something. Yeah. He, he was quite young when he did um, Spaced with Simon Pegg and um, Nick Frost. That was their original thing years ago. He's very um, much a cult figure isn't he but he's all about soundtracks as well which is what would have interested me because um well look at the way they use music in the um the cornetto films yeah exactly and and this this um baby driver's got you know it's got like 30 songs on the soundtrack it just looks incredible it's quite similar to it only reminds me because it's similar to james gunn in their approach and stuff and i just i think it's great that marvel are generally giving you know their directors this kind of license because I didn't want it to all be about 
the development of the Avengers, do you know what I mean, or, or the main storyline. I think what we're seeing a lot more is is these films feeling quite standalone, do you know what I mean? And yeah. for a while it felt like it was all about pushing the main narrative. Um, and I think this film is just such a, a kind of triumphant solo standing, like you said at the beginning. It stands on its own two feet, which... Which is quite hard for us. That's something. saying something in, in a universe that's got Iron Man and Captain America and the Hulk and Thor and yeah, and, and, and none of these you... guys are none of these guys are like you know Star Lord's not necessarily a pinup for kids. Do you know what I mean? He's, in the sense that he's not going to sell action figures. I know you got Groot and Rocket and stuff. I get it, but he's not like Iron Man. Or he's, Captain he's not America, marketable, is he? Is you it? know, not really, and not at the age range that they market things towards. Do you know what I mean? He's almost like. James Gunn in a way he's almost like the alternative you know choice isn't he he's not the main character yeah. and that's what we went back to about Chris Pratt and and Chris Pratt when he gets his scenes I still think he's great and when he delivers his lines he's still great and he does bring some emotion to it and I think that that, that when scene he does, with Yondu at the end is oh, probably yeah. I mean we haven't he, mentioned he, might, he might have been your father boy but I was your daddy or he might have been, he might have been your daddy but I was your father yeah. whatever it is there was there was a, lot, a few. I think there was a bit of dust in the cinema because there was a few people that were. Um, oh shit! A few, well, it, a, a it, few it, eyes being know, wiped for a film of this nature to get you emotionally involved in that way is quite some going for me. Do you and know especially what I mean? when you, you're getting upset about the villain dying. You know, he's, he's yeah. what he starts off as one of the villains. He's a child trafficker, a pirate, <laughs> a horrendous bully, and yet you end up in the film and you're thinking, "Oh my god, I don't want him to die." And I know. And he, he ultimately he's the hero of the day. Yeah, and that's the thing. And he gets his send off, do you know what I mean? And the ravages welcoming back in and stuff. And that and he gets was, one of that the was best pretty powerful. Well. And Mary Poppins, yeah. y'all. Oh, it's such a great <laughs> line. And his crooked teeth and his his great fin, you know, his kind of oh, tall yeah, mohawk. It's just it, I think he just he plays every part of it, do you know what I mean? And I think if we could see more of, of Michael Rocker in cinema or in TV, because we love him in The Walking Dead as well. We've yeah, said that he, so he was brilliant times. as Merle. Again, he, he, he became a cult figure. He didn't last that long in the grand oh, scheme God, I of wish things. he had. I really wish he had. But it, it had to be done because it served the greater plot point with with. He Darryl. just steals every scene. He and steals then, the scenes. And then in. they brought He's him back, great. obviously, when you got to see Zombie Mill, which was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Zombie Mill was I, one of the highlights of the show. Yeah, and, and g- genuinely speaking, like whenever Merle was involved, you, you like you can't take your eyes off him. Do you know what I mean? And I just think I don't know. I kind of like it when actors have a bit of a renaissance, and obviously James Gunn is similar as a director where they've just they found the right roles or they've found the right directors to work with or the right script. And yeah, and you know the same can be said to nearly anyone in this film. Obviously, Bradley Cooper's having a, a stellar career. I mean, he's he's a list, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? And he can he can do those kind of indie films and then those big blockbusters, and he's doing really well. And Zoe um, Saldana. Saldana's like we've always said, it's just really clever. She chooses exactly the right franchise and the right films to be involved in. Um, obviously, did the kind of uh, all the kind of motion capture stuff for for Avatar, and, and then was in the Star Trek and Guardians. And she knows how to pick the kind of right kind of films. But Chris Pratt's career since the first Guardians film has just exploded. Do you know what I mean? The guy was just always the he was always the fat, the lovable fat sidekick. Yeah, exactly. And now exactly. he's he's an A-lister commanding big fees on Hollywood blockbusters. 
Yeah, and, he, and he, he owes a lot of that to James Gunn for for taking a risk on him. Because you never they know. almost owe it to each other. Do you know what I mean? They owe their success to each other. You know, I, I agree. It's, it's, it's a big partnership. Yeah. It's a very yeah. big partnership. I be. I really would like to see. I mean, obviously. Pratt's just doing these huge films now. He's obviously doing the Jurassic series and he's doing Guardians. And Passen- some... Passengers was a big one. Well, I don't yeah, know if it's it any good or not, but I don't. I'm seeing it. It's it mixed reviews, but I yeah. think it's quite a big film. Jennifer Lawrence is in it. It's always a big card for anything. So um, he's obviously just doing these huge films. I kind of do want to see him get back into comedy in in a lot of ways. You know, the kind of lower indie kind of comedy yeah. stuff. Because I'd be quite interested where he goes in his career now. And I, I want like... a Bert Macklin solo film. Yeah. From uh, from Parks and Rec, because whenever Bert yeah. Macklin came out, you know it was going to be a good episode. Yeah, you did. It, and, his, and his comedy timing second to none at the minute. He, yeah, he, he could, they he really could, are. He could make anything sound hilarious. And a lot of people have done well from that, haven't they? It's, it's oh it's, yeah. Well, it, and it does. Plaza as well. She she did well coming out of that, and yeah, another one in Scott Pilgrim, I believe. Yeah, she was. She yeah. was. Scott Pilgrim is literally my go-to. That's your gateway for everything, for everything, isn't it? But it pretty much does link nearly all modern actors, and they all link together in some is it like, weird is kind it, of uh, circle. Like seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, seven degrees of um, <laughs> Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, it's a funny old film though, because I know we talk. I talk about it a lot, but. It's got such cult status. It's still the kind of film, a bit like all of um, Ed Wright's stuff, always randomly shown in cinemas again, in like outdoor cinemas and places. And it's like, no one even watched this when it came out. How the hell are people still watching it 10 years on? It's just a bizarre film. How long film. it's been? Probably. It's probably it been out? more. It's probably 10, 11 years. It was out when I was at uni, so... Um, and it's, yeah. got all the, it's got all your superheroes in, hasn't it? It's got Captain Marvel in it got the atom in it as well scott pilgrim himself is a superhero and it's got captain america in it obviously captain america in it yeah it's just kind of bizarre isn't it everyone was in it um yeah anyway scott pilgrim is is another pod which we've already done yeah covered well um overall obviously all we're saying is we love guardians and i think you think it's a little bit better I, I think it's on par with the first film, and I think that's a, that's a big compliment for me. Because definitely, yeah, definitely, I, we all love the first film, and and the first film for me, the big thing about it is it just took me such by surprise. Do you know what I mean? I, I didn't, I didn't, uh, kind of, I wasn't as interested in the, in the MCU as I am now. Um, I was, but not to the same extent. And I, I just with Guardians, I think it was when. What, when was it released? Like four years ago, or something like uh, that. Four it was when or five. one of my it was when one of my little ones was pretty little, um, and I think it wasn't a time where I was going to the cinema a lot and seeing as many films and doing as much. And, and when I watched it, it did genuinely take me by surprise, and I absolutely was hooked to it. Snap. And I think we've just been waiting for this to come out, and there was a lot of hype, and uh, particularly from us, but you know, from everyone. And, and when films are that overhyped to an extent, there's always a fear that they're going to fall on their sword and generally be a bit shit. And I think testament to the film and, and everyone that's, that's put in all the work that it's actually a big success. And it's not just living off its name from the first film, it's actually delivered, you know, great second film and set up well for a trilogy as well, you know, and that's what you want. You want the films. And, and you can't wait to see, I mean, the big thing for me is you want to see Rocket and Iron Man 
on screen together, don't you? Do you know what I mean? You want to see Star Lord and, and Captain America or whoever together. I, you know who I'd love know. to see? Rocket and Hulk. Oh, that would be amazing. Rocket and Hulk or Rocket and Thor? Because again, Thor's quite dry. And, yeah. And, and Chris Hemsworth's got good delivery when he gets a zinger in. It seems sort of yeah. twice as funny because he's so dry and he's so deliberate yeah. with everything he says. And Rocket is just an absolute clown. And what yeah. would Hulk make of a little tiny pet <laughs> fucking trash panda? He would. He, he, I'd love to, he to treats see it like Hulk, a pet. Hulk versus Hulk versus Groot. Big Groot would be quite interesting. Um, I think before we go, we need to touch on on teenage adolescent Groot. I thought that was just absolute genius. Well, the let, we'll tell you what. Why don't we do the um, just the, the the post scenes in general? Yeah. So yeah, there, there, there was teenage teenage sort of Kevin and Perry. Groot. <laughs> yeah, proper Kevin and Perry. Which, which, and, and which for you... our American listeners, if you don't know who Kevin and Perry are, we will send you a great video relating to Manchester about oh, Kevin yeah. and Perry, which will... will yeah, bread, find, bread and dripping for that, TR Mother. <laughs> <laughs> classic British comedy. Yes, it's classic British comedy about an adult playing a man-child, who, yeah. you know, who basically is rebelling. And it was just... It's funny that Chris Pratt obviously then knows what he's saying. Do you know what I mean? He recognises uh, yeah. what he's saying. And and why don't you tidy up your room? There's vines everywhere and stuff. I it, just thought just, it was genius. It's just gone full-on, like, family rom-com. Yeah, it's like you just stumbled onto this set of, I don't know, Married with world. children. Roxanne. What's the uh, not, other old... Not, not Roxanne. I fucking hate Roxanne. She's annoying. <laughs> she was Blossom. so annoying. There you go. Blossom. Blossom. <laughs> Blossom. Nice. Clarissa That's, explains it all. If anyone is showing our age right now, it's us who know Blossom here on this show. Yeah. She's in... Um, what's she in? Big She's Bang. She's in Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Come full circle. They're making a... The worst show ever, just a massive side note, they're making a young Sheldon Cooper yeah. series. I mean, I'm, I'm a oh. huge Big Bang Theory fan, and even I think that's going to be an absolute god train wreck. Train wreck. I mean, the disaster. only reason... I, I got very bored of Big Bang Theory quite early on, a couple of series in, because it's quite repetitive, but... Um, but I think the guy who plays Sheldon is is plays it so well. If you're taking that away from it, Jesus Christ, what you're left with? Do you know what I mean? It's going to be awful. Yeah. But they do these things and they'll sell a few TV ratings. They'll do all right for a bit and then it'll bomb. So that's that's usual. That's American telly for you. Yeah. Um, we had uh, we had Stanley sitting off with the watchers. Indeed. Which might be a big thing because the watchers, I believe. A quite a big yeah. thing in the uh, you've always in got Marvel to see a bit of Stanley. You always got to have a bit of Stanley, obviously, because they're so. um, they're they're sort of beings that oversee the the entire universe. Yes. So whether they're saying that Stanley is one of them, I or... think it came out that he wasn't actually. I think it came out the official line was he wasn't a watcher. Actually, he was just a visitor. He was a visitor. Yeah, I don't think they could have done that because they. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see. And they had the the scene with the all the ravages back together with Sylvester Stallone, which a lot of people yeah. missed that one. That was the original lineup of Guardians the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. That was like volume one. That that's yeah, that was which their I thought lineup. was really good. That was really good. That was that really subtle tip of the hat. I only found out about that one afterwards because that one. Was I think lost I found out about afterwards. Yeah, really lost on me. Um, so Groot, Stanley, and then Adam. Uh, yeah, the uh, the Adam one. I hope a lot of people got that one because 
Adam's Jay. big in the comics, obviously. So. Well, he, he's huge in Infinity War, in the yeah. Infinity Gauntlet War, Thanos War, whatever, sagas. Um, and that might have been lost on a lot of people, but James Gunn is a big fan of the Adam Warlock character. And he actually wrote him into the first film. But yeah. they, they had to cut him because there wasn't enough time. I bet, to, he's, to, I bet he's happy that he decided not to if he then went on to make him a big part of the third film. That's yeah, the feeling. That, uh, he's got to appear at some point in the third film. After that setup, who, who was it that they had to... It was either Adam Warlock or somebody else. And I can't remember for the life of me. who. No, I can't oh, remember. But whoever it was, he, he literally it was A or B. And he he, yeah. he decided that the, the narrative was better filled with whoever the other person was. But he, he always said, he always planned on Adam Warlock coming back because he's a huge character for the Infinity Wars. He's a big, spacey character anyway. Yeah. And the only way to really introduce him is in Guardians or Captain Marvel. And it makes way more sense to do it in this because they've introduced Aisha and the, the race of people who, who create him. Yeah, um, is that I think we're missing one. Uh, I don't know which one. I, I thought for the life of me earlier on which one we're missing, and I couldn't remember which it was, but it's still not. Oh, the, the, the one where it, Craglin's using the, the fin. Oh, he, yeah. he, he's transplanted the, uh, the fin and, and he's he trying to use the, the arrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that was a bit of a slow burner that one because it looked like it was like the sort of family guy where Peter falls over and he's doing his knees <laughs> it was a lit going on a little bit but then when you get the actual payoff when you get the punchline it was worth it yeah it was worth it and I think it's nice you don't know how that's been created but you've got to think maybe Rocket they, did they say they repaired it but then obviously the fin is maybe they've got extra fins lying around the place But and, and he's um, doing it isn't he as a, as a tribute because he out of all the ravages all the people that rode with Yondu Oh, he's the he, one. He's, yeah. he's like his, his faithful lieutenant. He's the, the yeah. one that was always by his side, even when other people doubted him and thought he was I forgot he my favourite other crackling thing is when he's on the ship on his own and he's eating soup. And he's like, I love soup. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, if you watch it again, you'll remember it. It's, it's just so funny. Because he's, I think he's just great character. I, I think it's great that his brother to introduce him in, but I think he gave him a little bit nicer stuff to work with. Do you and, know what I mean? And we, do you know what else... Uh, Sean Gunn does in the he he is the onset uh, rocket. Oh yeah, he is. Uh, when yeah, 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 when they is. need like a, a a placement of somebody to talk to, Sean Gunn wears a, a green screen suit. Yeah, and because there was a picture that came out after the first one after the, yeah. uh, <laughs> the end battle where Drax sits down and is petting. Uh, the top of uh, Rocket's head after Groot has sacrificed yeah, himself. Yeah, I remember that. And Sean Gunn is sat there wearing a bright green, like, latex suit. And he, just, so he, he is, he's two characters in one. He's Rocket before the effects. Yeah. And he, yeah. he, he, he plays the uh, the social media game well as well. Yeah, and they all do. And I think we, that's we like the thing. guns. Yeah, it's just a massive success all around. And I think for me, uh, the big thing is well, it's a big setup for the, the rest of the year because it's going to be a huge year for Marvel do you know what I mean obviously Star Wars is monstrous for Disney this year but you've got to think Spider-Man is a Sony film but it's Marvel it's still MCU, Marvel. isn't it yeah and exactly you've got Thor and Thor is, uh, has got some incredible um, it looks from the trailer I, yeah and I saw the trailer again at the cinema and seen it a couple of times and obviously saw it loads of times when it was released and I, I can't wait for it I think it's just going to be brilliant and, it, it's the I only mean, thing that could possibly look better 
than Guardians is going to be the is going to be Ragnarok, and that's the biggest shock for me because I, we've both said our disappointment about the both both the Thor films have just not really done it justice, and I just think this looks looks the perfect thing. It, it looks it looks great, and and it looks like it's got the best villain, you know, and that's the thing. She looks hella, yeah, she hella looks, looks amazing, terrifying. and she's I mean it's Kate Blanchett, isn't it? I mean that yeah. is some casting. So yeah, again. yeah, it's going to be awesome. Obviously, we've got that to preview later in the year. So yeah, it's been good, man. Good to be back. Talked a lot as always, um, but yeah, it's just such a good film. So we're finally glad to get to talk about it and be back with you. Um, we'll be back hopefully next week. Talk about Ant Man as we mentioned uh, with a new guest to the pod, which would be great. And then yeah, we've got some big things coming up in the summer, and and hopefully some more comic standalones like you talked about, and some of the other stuff we need to get covered. So yeah, we, yeah. we need to we need to review Wonder Woman when you've seen it. Uh, Joe yeah. will be back on for that because he's got lifetime dibs on anything oh, he's, Wonder he's Woman. He's got lifetime dibs. Uh, then we yeah. we're gonna have to get Marco on to do uh, a preview of Spider Man because Spider Man's out in a couple of weeks. Shit, yeah, it is. Um, I, I so think yeah, is it se- second or third week in July? So maybe a month. Yeah, it's out quite soon. So, so and the hype is huge. So it should be great that film. Um, I, I heard some figures the other day in, in slightly related news. I'm sure I heard somewhere that Black Panther's first teaser trailer got 89 oh, million yeah, views. I saw you say that in 24 hours. I, I can't even process that number of things. I think we've got to do a pod alone on that trailer. To be honest, I mean, how fucking cool does that film look? It already? looks unreal. It looks, and then that's out quite early next year, isn't it? It's like February, March next year. I think year, it's, I yeah, think. first quarter of next year. Oh, it just, it looks amazing. And we we always said, we'd always come back to it, obviously. We always said it's great to see it being set up in a different world, in a different kind of area. It just looks, and the cast and the director and everything looks perfect for it. So, yeah, that could be something else, to be honest. And, um, you know, Black Panther was so well set up in Civil War. I think we're expecting pretty big thing so yeah that's that's it from us thank you very much for anyone who's tuned back in um i know we've been on and off for a while but we will be back with you more regularly and yeah any feedback yeah anyone interested in coming back on and stuff um just get in touch and we'll see where we go from there yeah you know where we are we are ai comic pod on twitter and we'll see you next time take it easy Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.